This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the Oboe Tattoo Podcast. Today with me, Jamie Castle, and I'm joined by Dylan Bundia and Stephen Day. We're going to cast our minds back to our goldest draw at home to Blackburn Rovers, which we'll talk about the fantastic 1-0 win that the playoff chasing Hatters got in 20 last night. We'll cover the post-match polls from both of those games, talk a little bit about the coming and going of the deadline day, before we can head to our FA Cup fourth round tie at Cambridge United. But firstly, Dylan, Stephen, how are you both doing? I'm shattered from last night from from Swansea away. So, yeah, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna say both both me and you got back early doors three a.m. But mm. well, well well worth it. Oh, so worth it. Yeah, mate. Just just gutted that I couldn't I couldn't make it to Swansea. It was wow. I mean, what an away day that must have been. Um, yeah, I mean, who as you say, who cares about the three four o'clock in the morning? It's all worth it when when Nathan's in the stands and thumping his his chest. No, absolutely, yeah. So I was working today, obviously working from home. I've got the luxury of doing so, but uh, it was it was the adrenaline and buzz from last night that that got me through the day. That's for sure. Before we go back over that brilliant win from last night, let's uh, let's look back at the nil-nil draw home to Blackburn. Um, the BBC Sport website described it as a drab, goalless draw, but for me, it wasn't drab at all. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I thought it was it was good. I mean. Obviously, to to get a a point in hindsight against a team that is flying really high is very good. But actually, we were the better team, um, and and for a team that is doing very well, they had very little. I thought. Um, obviously, they were missing Brereton Diaz and uh, and uh, Rothwell, um, who were two big misses. But again, I think it just showed our our credentials about where we're at. Um, obviously before Swansea um, I think people are really believing now but 
we did well and and to come up against a team like that and and limit them to very very little um we've learned lessons we didn't let big diagonals into Sam Gallagher destroy us again because that's happened too many times over the last two years or so um I'm sure Nathan's had plenty of sleepless nights about Sam Gallagher but um but yeah it was a good performance um shame we couldn't we couldn't get the win um but but really good and a, a nice nice indicator in terms of where we're at at the minute which is in a, a really good place yeah, definitely. And and Stephen, I think Dylan touched on it there, the, the, the absence of, of Burton Diaz. I think a, a lot was made about the absence when we were also missing our, our leading goal scorer. Um, so do you think maybe we, we, we should, we should take, take that into account as well, that yeah, they were missing Burton Diaz, but we were also missing them from Adebayo? Yeah, I think we, we really missed him because I, I think... Had he had been in the squad, he's the sort of player that can just get those goals when you need them. Obviously, um, other players can do it as well, but I think Adebayo just has that ability to do it, especially at home as well. I think sometimes we rely on other players away from home. Um, but yeah, we, we really miss Adebayo, but they, they miss Burris and Diaz as well. And but I think, you know, ultimately the, the draw was a fair result. But I do think had we had Adebayo, I would have been confident of a win, which is you know, brilliant to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think those those two key players missing sort of indicated that it was a game of, of few chances. I, I know we, we created clear chances through both Cal Naismith and, and Cam Jerome. And I don't really remember too many from Blackburn. I think maybe there was that one over the top through, through to Gallagher and, and, and he, he was left one-on-one with Shea, but didn't really threaten. Um, so I, I guess... My perspective is that it would have been good to see that game again, but with with both Burton Diaz and Adebayo. Yeah, yeah, it would have been good to have had a game with both of them featuring. And and going back on, like there wasn't too many times. I think I can remember, like I think near like was it the last ten minutes, last five minutes, we we were looking on top, and there was absolutely no reason why we couldn't have scored. It's just we didn't manage to do. It. And I think had Adebayo been there, then he would have got the goal. But then at the same time. Had Burris and Diaz been in the squad for for Blackburn, he could have easily got a nicked a goal and got a one nil away win for them. So, yeah, I think all in all, it was just a, an even sort of an even game, and it shows the levels that we're at now as well. That even when you know playing a, a top three side, top two side, that if we're missing a top goal scorer, even though they were missing theirs as well, we're not losing that game. A, a year ago, two years ago, we were losing that definitely. So it just shows the levels that we've got to. Yeah, without a doubt, I think I agree. Yeah, I think I think a, a previous incarnation of Luton last year or, or two years ago, we definitely lost that game. And and Dylan, I think for me, two two standout big selections from from Nathan there in, in Gabe Osho and Fred Onyedimba. Um, Gabe Osho get getting a start despite Respect being back on the bench, and and Fred getting a start despite Cornick being back on the bench, and. Obviously, we'll come back to both of those with Swansea, but in terms of the Blackbird game, I, I feel like they're both impairs themselves really well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we're starting to see now the, the real kind of impact of Nathan Jones and his and his coaching staff's coaching on Fred in terms of someone with a bit more tactical awareness um, in terms of how he presses and, and where he presses and the angles at which he presses. Um, he's really looking good. And, and obviously, we'll move on to Swansea, but it was the same against them. Um, and Osho is... He just needed a chance, I think, and and I think in the middle of that back three where he can cut, he can drop in and cover as as Cal is stepping out, as Lockyer steps out onto players 
higher up the pitch. There's Gabe Osho who can just sweep up behind and and he he's always shown that that tremendous athleticism that he's got and he's he's different to what we've got. He's not only someone that we can just develop, um, but we know it's always important in our squad to have players who who are different. And, and Osho is so athletic, um, and he's getting there. He's still got a long way to go. I think he can he can impose himself a little bit more one v one. He steps out a little bit and doesn't quite dominate his his duels sometimes, but he is looking very very good and and somewhat you know to have him coming in um, in the absence of Sonny Bradley to step in and play the way he did against Blackburn and then obviously Swansea as well um, just shows how far he can go because he's, he's he's been wonderful the last couple of games. Yeah, and I'm keen to, to talk more on Gabe, but I think it's probably best to, to leave that for, for Swansea later in the pod. But on Fred, I, I know previously you had, uh, I guess, you, you, weren't, you weren't sure about whether Fred could, could sort of fill in in that, cent, that centre-forward role alongside a big man and I think you had a, a, a bit a bit of doubts on on his, on him and his press, and and do you think he really showed in that game that he actually he could step up to be that sort of second striker? Oh yeah, definitely. I think I think he's he's definitely he's, we've definitely seen a reaction because he got an absolute bollocking from from NJ when he went on against Fulham um, because his press was was really poor. Uh, but I think I think I don't think it's a case of him not being able to do it. I think it still doesn't get the best out of him. Um, in terms of what he's really good at, but can he play there? And can we give him that coaching and that t- that awareness, that understanding of of how we play? Absolutely, yeah. You know, what what do we do? We play forwards quickly, so we need people with that. We need athletes in forward areas who can chase, who can go one v one and stuff. So it doesn't get the best out of Fred, no way. But in terms of functioning within the team, yeah, yeah, he can, and and he's and he's shown um, he's shown against Blackburn that you know he he is. At a good level now, and and he is an option there definitely. And he need to be honest, he kind of has to be an option there because left wing back isn't isn't somewhere we want him. So playing in the front two is is kind of if we persist with the three five two is is where he's going to be. Yeah, of course. And, and let's just just go on to to the post match polls because I, I, I want to leave more time to talk about a wonderful one 0 win rather than a, a goalless draw at home. Um, after Amari's concussion scare. Uh, we asked whether we thought that we were a bit vulnerable at, at left wing back. Twenty-five um, percent said that we that we have enough cover, and seventy-five percent said that we needed someone. Obviously, um, it so transpired that no one was got in that position. But Dylan, do you, do you think we're we're a little bit vulnerable in that area? I think a little bit. Yeah, I think we we could do with the body in there. Kyoso being around helps because obviously Bree can go on to the left as well, um, which isn't ideal, um, but he could do that job. Clark could could go there. We don't really want to move Cal around, so I doubt it. So I think we are a little bit vulnerable there. But at the end of the day, if we're going to invest in a player, it has to be the right one. It has to be someone who fits what we do. And if the club felt, if the club have clearly felt that there wasn't someone who, who we could get who fit fit someone who was different or better or someone we could really develop in the long term, then then there's no there's no reason to just add bodies for the sake of it. So obviously. Yeah, we are a little bit vulnerable, but it clearly wasn't. There wasn't a right option out there for us to go and get. So there's no problem in terms of transfers or anything like that. We're probably a little bit vulnerable though. It's interesting what you said in terms of putting Bree out on on the left rather than Kyoso. Is the reason why you put Bree there? Because I guess from my perspective, surely you'd want to keep Bree on his right foot and 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 get those balls in from the right side and 
and just have Chiesa on the left side as that that defensive cover. Yeah, well, it's a, it's, it's it's all about uh, you know trade offs really. We could leave Brie on the right, and then we still have those deliveries. But then we'd get, I, I worry, we'd get very little from the left because uh, Pete is someone who's very reliant on his power and his athleticism to go around players. Whilst Bree's a little bit more clever with his feet, he works little spaces to then get crosses in. Bree probably comes inside on his right foot a little bit easier, um, so he could work it off his. Or he could go to go down the left, work into his right, and play from there. Um, and get that power from Pete. But then if we obviously we wanted to keep Bree exactly where he is, playing really well, we could do that and we get loads of output from the right, but maybe very little from the left. So I think you know we could put Pete on the left and Bree on the right or swap them around. It just depends on, on the opposition and, and how we feel we're going we're gonna to break them down. So it's all about trade-offs. There's no like perfect answer in, in terms of how like we should set up. Yeah, I just want to jump in there and say that I think... Bree, in terms of going forward, would I think he would be brilliant? Well, not brilliant, but like you know, a good backup on the left hand side because he's we can trust him getting deliveries into the box, and because of that, him cutting, you know, if he's got the the chance to, and cut inside and and either spread a ball over to the other side if Kyoto is running up that wing, that's that's going to be well. I, I think that would work really well. Um, and then you've got, I think, just defensively, he's just he's quite smart with it. So I think he'd, he'd be, you know, you could trust him going back on the on the left wing. And then Kyoso, and I, I mean, I, I can't see why it would be a bad thing at all having Bree and Kyoso on the pitch at the same time on either wing because we know that we can sort of trust them going forward and going back because, as Dylan said, Kyoso's got that power. So. He's got the power to get back, you know. Say someone's on a break against us, but I think the only the only way I'd worry is that say there was a like a a fast or strong right winger against Bree, I'd then worry. Yeah, of course. And and there was another poll that we put out, Stephen, um, with, with strong rumours that Sluga is off, and obviously we all know that those rumours were were not rumours, and 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 they were it, it was actually going to happen. Um, but, but with Sluga, will he forever be a cult hero at Luton? Um, 27% said definitely, 73% said nah. For me, Stephen, that was a bit surprising. What was your thoughts on that? I don't know. I, I think I kind of agree with it because it's like he's only been with us, what, two and a half years and he's obviously pulled off some brilliant saves, but I like uh, brilliant saves and important saves, but I wouldn't said that he's maybe got to, got himself to a higher level than say like Mark Tyler or whatever like obviously he's been more important than what Walton was like if you're talking about like most recent goalkeepers but I think I'm I'm not surprised that people have gone, gone on saying that like he's not really a cult hero but I wouldn't also say that he hasn't been a very important player for us for the last two and a half years I think maybe if he'd started off a little bit better than what he did then maybe more would say that he is a cult hero, but ultimately I'm not. I'm not really that surprised, and I don't really disagree with it either. Yeah, and it's understandable that the the mistakes are often held in it higher in in someone's mind than than the good stuff. But I'll always come back to it that that save at Wigan for me is what kept us up. I, I don't believe that if if we would have gone into the COVID break with a one 0 defeat at relegation rivals Wigan. 
that subsequently got a points deduction as well. I, 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 I just feel as if it would have been a, a, a tougher ask to come back from. And, and, and I feel like that, that save did actually sort of help massively in allowing us to, to keep our status as a side in the championship, didn't it? Yeah, I think it's a tough one. I, I don't think I'd put Sluger in, in the kind of cult hero category. Um, I'd put him in someone I have massive respect for, someone that I'll remember really fondly and, and did really good things for us. And, and obviously the guy is a club record signing, so there's another thing, there's another element to that. And he was a good goalkeeper for us, a really good goalkeeper. I wouldn't say cult hero, um, but, you know, look, he's... He's someone who, who uh, and that save, as, as Jamie just said, was so important and, and he showed a level of consistency in his second and, and third seasons that he didn't show in the first season, which is a testament to his character. And, and so he was obviously an amazing, amazing bloke, uh, great, a good goalkeeper for us. Wouldn't quite say cult hero, um, unfortunately, um, but, you know, all the best to him because he's got a great move um, to, to a potential Champions League club, which were would be amazing to see next year if we on the TV. Yeah, without a doubt. And yeah, let's move on to deadline day then. So so Sluga has has departed the Hatters to Bulgarian Premier League and potential Champions League side Ludogorets for a reported fee of five hundred thousand euros, which means that we've recouped around a third of, of what we paid for them. Boys, is that is that good business, do you think? Yeah, with with you know I think it was either reported or confirmed that he his contract was out this summer. It's to get that amount of money on a player when his contract is out is, is brilliant business. And I think that just shows that like we kind of, even even though it could have put us in a bit of a, a worrying situation, it still is, you know, sort of a, the right piece of business in the end for us. Because if he's going for free in the summer, then, you know, would he have made, you know, had like 500 grand's worth of games or saves or whatever, like if you do understand what I mean, like between now and summertime. So I think getting the five hundred grand will help us, you know, push towards signing someone maybe a bit younger or a bit, maybe a bit better or more experienced in gold than than say like a more experienced championship goalkeeper. Like you never know where where that money will go. Yeah, and, and just on on that. That option that, that Nathan said we had, it's believed to be the case that the option it was based on number number of appearances in his final season, which would explain why um, he was benched in the last sort of six weeks or so. And and Dylan, I guess, is coming on to Jed Steer coming in. So, do, do you feel that it was was the right call to like look? You know what? Let's let's get half half a million euros for Sluga. Um, let's get someone experienced like Jed Steer in in the building just to allow us to get that that money for him um and and, and i guess takes take six months to really have a think about who, who we want there yeah i think i think we would have had options that it obviously would have been better if we'd been able to get someone in permanently because then they have six months to really settle and, and compete with shea and then potentially be the number one next season um so i think our priority are all as we know from from what nathan jones and and co always say in the press is we want permanent signings here. We want people who we can add value to. Um, now, obviously, again, that that wasn't possible. Deadline day is is crazy. Um, so I think, but I think Jed Steer coming in is a more than adequate signing for us. He's a very good. He's a good Championship goalkeeper. Did good stuff with with Aston Villa with promotion. Um, experienced. 
knows some of the players so and you'd have to assume as always that the players we get in are top top characters who who contribute to the environment that that is a, a really good environment at the minute so um so yeah look it's difficult to say like who else we could have got in or what the reasoning why we couldn't get a permanent signing in but for half a season jed steer is a very good goalkeeper we've got two good goalkeepers in the building which is what we need um and and we're in a good place in, in that department we're not we're not left short anywhere by us trying to then cash in on on Sluga. Yeah, and as you mentioned, um, he's got experience of, of the playoffs and the championships. So hopefully, we can uh, lean on that come May. Eh? Um, and and the final bit of business on on deadline day was Glen Ray on loan to Wigan. Um, is that a good move for both player and club? I mean, I'm I'm upset to see him go, but it it's understandable. His age, he wants to play. Jones, I think, came out and said that he didn't want uh, the club didn't want Ray to leave. But it it kind of shows that the relationship we have with our players that if they want something, they're almost like the club are, the club and the management are so understanding that it's like we're not gonna just tell them no, you can't go out alone. You have to stay here because we need you. It's more like okay, this guy has been a good servant to us. Um, he's he's played well, you know. Bar the, the season where he was injured, he's, he's been, I'd say, an important player for us for the last uh, five years. I think it is now, some of like that. Um, so, yeah, I think I wouldn't say it's a great piece of business, but for Wigan, it's brilliant for them. And for Ray, if he's going there and starting most of the games between now and the end of the season and gets another promotion under his belt, it's, it's brilliant for him. And I can understand him wanting to go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Glenn Ray would always be held in in high regard at, at Luton. Obviously, he came in initially on loan in League Two and was was made permanent. And he, he, he for me, it was it was a massive part of of our journey from League Two to the Championship. So, whilst yeah, it's likely we've 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 seen the last of Glenn Ray in the Luton shirt. I, I, I personally would wish him all the best. He's he's a he was a great person to have, to have in in the team, centre half, defensive mid. He, he was he was fantastic. Then wasn't wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, um, it's a shame. I think, obviously, his game time has been massively limited and, and you understand with him being the age he is, he wants to play games. Um, he's more than, more than good enough for League One, as we saw when we in the promotion season before his, in, his injury, which was really unfortunate. And also, I think, let's not forget just how badly we missed him uh, in the opening months of the Championship and the impact that he had when, when he came back was massive, you know, without that holding midfielder in there. Um, doing the dirty stuff, winning headers, winning second balls. We struggled hugely. We, you know, we had to play Butterfield there. We tried Shinny there. We tried Berry there, and, it, and none of it worked. Um, so, what a servant! League two to the championship. Uh, you know, one of NJ's first signings, and and what a journey we've had with him. And, and all the best to him. And hey, look at look at Wigan getting Graham Shinny and Glenn Ray in, in the January transfer window. That's not a bad, not a bad two central midfield signings for anyone. Stephen, we'll we'll move on to Swansea now. Last night, obviously, we we mentioned earlier that both myself and you travelled up to um, well, travelled across to Swansea, should I say, last night? Didn't get back to early doors, but what result? What performance? It's it's the exact thing you want from an away day, especially on a on a Tuesday night as well. Even though it was a long journey, it was so worth it, and just. Even like the guile of the, the team, like we just showed so much guile to get a result out of that, and that is honestly like 
I think, what was it, last season, we had all those 1-0 wins away from home. It's it's so... I mean, it's just it's just kind of trademark Luton. And it's, it, it's just the, one of the best ways to win away from home. I think Jones said it last year as well. It's such a good way to win away from home. Yeah, and um, when the team sheet came out and we saw it, it was uh, Danny Hilton's first championship start um, for, for almost a year. What, what was your, your initial thoughts there? I'm, I was so happy to see it. I was, I was obviously a bit bemused because I didn't... Well, it's just one of those things where it's like, is that really a good idea? But he came on and he, he put a proper shift in. It was, it was a brilliant performance for him. Even though he's, he's a bit like Lansbury, he's almost guaranteed a yellow card every game that he plays in. He, um, he put a good shift in and he what nearly created two or three goals and could have scored one. Um, so I think he's showing that he's got worth in the squad. And I'm, I'm, from last night, I'm quite happy that he didn't leave um, us on loan or permanently in the, in the window. I'm happy that he started last night and it was just good to see him back in the shirt again. Yeah, and that's a good point now. I think in hindsight, I'm gutted that I didn't think about a, uh, a Danny Hilton and Henry Lansbury double yellow card bet. I think that that was a, that was a certain as you could get in, in terms of betting last night. Uh, in terms of the game itself, we, I thought we started really well. I think we moved the ball well. We looked, we looked a threat going forwards and had the better of the first 10 or so minutes. Then, then Swansea, Swansea seemed to get a grip to the game and, and have most of, most of the play for the rest of the first half. And Swansea are a side that, quite clearly play some really, really good stuff, Stephen. Yeah, the football they were playing was, was I mean, brilliant, to be honest. I'd, if I was them, I'd be upset to lose, you know, considering the, the style of football they were playing. And they, they cut through us sometimes like butter. It was so easy for them. But we just showed the, the strength to not concede and, like, the challenges in defence put in by, like, Bree and... Osho and just everyone basically like just showed that when we're, we're not the team that we were a while ago and we don't lose in the games where we don't perform so well because they were on top for most of the game I'd say and I was worried a lot of the game but at the same time I almost wasn't worried because you could see their lack of um, clinical you know attacking movements and it just yeah, as I said a minute ago, it's just it's just brilliant, and yeah, I was worried at some points, but ultimately we we did the job, and it was brilliant. Yeah, definitely, and and I know that then your your stream kicked in for the second half, so we'll we'll pivot to you for the second half, and we we seem to really get get to grips with with Swansea's um, movement in in the second half, and. Uh, Hilton and Fred obviously won their defence ragged for the first six or so, so minutes, and Nathan made two great substitutions in in, in Jerome and Cornick, and it was it was a great goal as well. Yeah, what a goal! What a goal! A classic Luton long ball, knocked down, threw in behind, cut back goal. I mean, yeah, brilliant goal. Um, but I think out of possession, the way that in that second half, the way we we closed the space between the lines and and stopped Wolf and and Cham from playing. Um, I know we'll probably move on to him, but Gabby Osho, the way he dealt with Obafemi, the way he stepped out of defence with with such confidence, and it's something that when he played against Bristol City, obviously for the Bristol City goal, um, you know he made a slight error, not not imposing himself enough, but you cannot fault him last night. Um, the way he dealt with Obafemi when he dropped deep and and 
and then ran in behind. It was it was magnificent, um, and what a performance! But I think, I think yeah, I think Hilton and, and Anya Dimmer again, just giving us those physical levels and showing that being a centre forward is much more than goals and assists. That it's about giving a team a platform and then allowing others around you to perform. And that's exactly what happened when when Jerome and Cornet come on. You know, the the fresh legs, the the, the they make sure the game's at nil-nil. We get fresh legs on late on and then they show a moment of quality to win us the game. Um, but I thought that the energy levels, the uh, NJ said post-match, that the tactical awareness was outstanding and, and I felt that in the second half, the way we, we, we just knew exactly which spaces to cover and how to press and where to press um, and then defended our box magnificently because defending your box is an art. Like, forget scoring goals. If you defend your box properly, that that is art. So... Yeah, what a performance on a Tuesday night um, to give us give those energy levels and and that level of of desire and and understanding and then go to win the game is is magnificent and and obviously in the context of the league table we can now get a little bit excited about about where we're at just just a little bit I don't wanna, I don't want to jinx anything um, <laughs> and I think for me that the return of Cornick just for me it signalled that actually despite the actual results looking good, that we've not been at our full strength for quite some time now. Obviously, Javi's come back and now Eli's out and we've been, we've been missing Sonny Bradley, which despite Gabe Osha doing fantastically, it's still our captain who's been missing. And we, we, we've missed a few players all, all over the squad for quite some time, haven't we? Yeah, massively, massively. Um, I mean, look, we're starting Hilton and Onya Dinma as a front two. Now, tell, tell us at the start of the season that that would be our front two Swansea away on a Tuesday night. <laughs> you know that that's not what you'd expect, but those, though, yeah. I mean, Elijah and and Harry are our best front two, um, but again, once again, you know the shift that Hilton and Fred put on, put in in the in the first sixty odd minutes, just shows that being being in a front two, being centre forwards in a team is so much more than goals and assists. It's about giving giving a team a platform, giving a team out balls, giving a team territory, working out of possession, pressing in the right areas. To then give everyone else the the ability to go and win the game, um, and and that's that was shown so clearly last night, and it was just I'm so happy for Hiltz especially because, you know, he's shown that he, he is capable, and and he's not going to bag 15 goals in the championship, but he's going to give us a certain level that provides a platform for others to go and then perform. Yeah, definitely, and and Dylan, I, I was wanting to touch on styles of play because for me last night was like a polar opposite in terms of the way Swansea play and, and the way we play. And that's not to say that we're direct at all costs, but I, f- I feel like our goal was, it, it, it signalled what Swansea, I guess, don't do. I mean, it, it, it was eight touches from James Shea at the back to the back of the net and six of those eight were, were forward with, with their intent of the pass. And whereas uh, I, think I was looking at stats and uh, Swansea attempted 572 passes last night with an 82% success rate, whereas we attempted 208 with a 63% success rate. So in terms of in terms of style of play, obviously Swansea's, I guess, possession and, and the way they move uh, the ball looks good. But in terms of results, what do you think they're missing? Oh, I think it's just that final action, really. Um, it's that final final bit of quality and cutting edge that we showed um, it, it, with our goal that they just didn't show. Um, look, I think with styles of play, it's it's about choosing a style that fits exactly what you have at the club and the players you've got, and then you know, and then building, and then just sticking to that and building towards that, and and 
look, we and just being being efficient with it, and and what we are is efficient in our style of play, which is eight touches from James Shea to the back of the net, and Swansea are efficient as well in terms of finding players between the lines and dropping and rotating and moving it with speed because they've got people like Grimes and Downs who are you know wonderful ball playing centre mids. Um, but yeah, it's, it, the difference was that final action. It was a clash of styles, but we just showed that bit of quality to win a game. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what style you play, you've got to show quality in the final third to win to win any game at any level. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting clash of styles, but it's all just about quality in the final third. And, and Harry is just, you know, how, where this has come from this season, this unbelievable finishing, um, you know, it's it's amazing where, where that's come from. And it's good to have him back. Yeah, definitely. I've always said that Harry Cornick is a is a confidence player, and ever since he scored on the, on the first game of the season, it, it, it seemed like he, he would be a different Harry Cornick from from his goals at, at Millwall to, to last night. It's, it's uh, definitely a different Harry Cornick. And and Stephen, it, it, we can't finish uh, talking about Swansea without mentioning our crazy Welsh wizard that is Nathan Jones, uh, who who joined us in the away last night and. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of fans, even some of our own fans that I guess have, have, have spoken about. Maybe it's a bit embarrassing, maybe it's a bit over the top. But I mean, for me, I, I just think it's brilliant. It is brilliant, and I think the way he talks about his players and saying that he wants to have the trust in his players, he's now like I think he said it in his first um, conference, like press conference back. He was saying that he wants to regain the trust of us fans and i think he's he's done that now like i think we were all saying like oh to keep us up if he does this he does that but it's like i was thinking about it last night on the coach home and i'm i'm he's making i don't know if it's just me but it's making me feel similar to how we felt and i felt like in league two league one there was promise it was like I think there were times in, in the conference that I thought, you know, even though we had, you know, we were we were up there in, in you know near the top of the table, there was never that. It was almost like an expectation that we should be doing well. Whereas now, there's no expectation, but under him, under Jones, like you almost just trust that he's gonna do it, no matter what. He's he's been a, you know it's a second stint and he's doing it again. It was hard to see how we were going to get out of League 2 but then he came in got us up and I just think obviously it's a match made in heaven but yeah I, I, and the way I think the relationship that he's getting back with the fans as well like being able to come into the crowd like that obviously he wasn't directly in the crowd but being able to come in like that and and celebrate like that and no one's really speaking out against it within our fan base it, it just shows that he's got the trust back now and I, I, I adored him back in the first stint. Then I lost his trust when he left, and when he came back, I was like, "Keeps us up, he's forgiven." But I don't think that trust is back there. But now, you know, being able to go to Swansea away and watch us get a shit house one nil win, I just it's just something special about him being at the club and the way it is right now there's just the atmosphere and I think I was saying last night there's just almost little there's, there's almost nothing you can complain about at this point it's nice to be able to say that sort of thing again 
and yeah, it's just credit to him because he's just done wonders with us. And as you said, he is a wizard. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, I've always said that with Nathan Jones, it seems like anything's possible, and it almost seems like the Premier League is is going to happen. It's a case of when rather than if. And yeah, I mean, if if he wants to get passionate and in the in the away end for a hug with all the fans, that that's fine by me. As long as he keeps getting results on the pitch, that 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 is all that's needed, really. Um, but let's let's move on to the post match polls. And before we go on to Swansea, I, I kept one back from the Blackburn one on on Gabe Osho because I thought it'd be good to to cover Swansea before going on to Osho. And the poll from from Blackburn was: Is Gabe Osho now in the conversation for centre back starting spot? Um, 45% said deserves to be and 55% said still behind Burke or Lockyer and I think that I, I, I think that split if we asked it again last night would probably be more deserves to be and, and maybe when, when Sonny comes back maybe he's, he's now ahead of, of Burke or Lockyer Stephen Yeah I mean his, his, obviously his performance last night was brilliant and um, against Blackburn he was, he was good as well and for me Again, it's that it's that word that Jones uses all the time, trust. And he's gaining the trust of Jones now and gaining our trust well. Obviously, you mentioned that um, the not even mistake, I guess, like against Bristol City, it was just a you know just a bit of bad judgment. But that's where his you know you'd say his match match um, sharpness and all that is is a bit slow. But now now he's getting game time. He's showing that he's worth at least being in the shout or being in the squad. And uh, going, you know, going back, going forward, he was brilliant. And yeah, I think I'm not again. I'm not surprised with the polls. I think Burke, Lockyer, they they have well, not have a right to be there, but they almost you can see why they're they've been so consistently in there when they've been fit. And Osho is just showing what. You know, giving us evidence of what good competition we have in our squad. So yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a good run in the squad. But at the same time, once Lockyer and Burke are back, again, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go straight into the squad because they are they're trustworthy. Yeah, and and staying on our show, Dylan. I mean, we, we talk a lot about Cal Naismith and how he just oozes class and everything he does and. For me, I think the same can be said about Gabe in, in the fact that he just looks like a, a well-built sort of. He's not he's not he's not massive like like, like Sonny, but he's just a, a strong all-round centre half, but both in in the air. I mean, he won three or four massive headers from from set pieces and, and crosses from open play, and and also with his feet, I, I think he, he made one or two of those sort of Cal Naismith and Reese Burke-esque runs up the pitch. Yeah, I mean, you look at that back three last night, Naismith, Osho and Burke. I mean, all three of them, you could say, could, are ball carriers. You know, we had three ball-carrying centre-backs on the pitch, which is which is amazing. Um, you know, people who can break pressure, and, and that is really important in terms of adding variation to to what we do. And, you know, we don't want to just be direct every single time. You know, we, we want to try and carry the ball at points and, and mix it up and then give teams different things to think about. So, yeah, that back three was really unique. Um, but Osho... He's just growing. He's really just every time he plays, he's learning. Um, you know, the Osho that started against West Brom early on in the season away um, is a very different Gabby Osho to the one that um, we saw on on Tuesday night against Swansea. 
Um, and it was the perfect game for him in, in terms of coming up against quite an athletic forward player in Michael Obafemi, who's great change of pace. He can drop in and link. He can run in behind then. And we needed someone who could match that 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 pace and 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 movement off the ball. Uh, and, and yeah, he, he's. I I would say he's in with a massive shout of of starting. Um, just because of as well of how much he gives us with the ball. You know, we've seen the impact of Burke and, and Naismith and how they can contribute with the ball. And Osho is the same. He he can break pressure and teams that, you know, if teams want to step on to us, try and press us high, we can go at them with, with that back three, with those three ball carriers. And we saw how important that was um, against Bournemouth with, with Naismith dribbling past Christie and then finding Campbell. You know, that first that first little action is so important for us then being able to create stuff in the final third. Um, but what a, again, another example of a brilliant piece of recruitment to get him for free as someone we can develop, as someone who's played right wing back, left wing back, centre half in a th- middle of a three, right of a three, centre half in a back four, um, holding midfield against Bournemouth. You know, he's, he's done so many jobs um, and is so versatile. So what, what a brilliant signing, so young, so hungry, got so much potential and it's so good to see him playing um, and, and doing so well at this level. Yeah, and I'm pleased you touched on recruitment there because if you look at our strength and depth overall at some half, you've got Gabe Osho, 23 years old, free transfer, Reese Burke, 25 years old, free transfer, Tom Lockyer was a free transfer, I think he's about 26 or 27, uh, Cal Nato a more experienced one, but just classing in everything he does, free transfer, You've got Sonny Bradley, who I think was a free transfer, but if he wasn't, he was a very sort of nominal fee from Plymouth, who, again, is, is our captain, he's our leader. And then you could even chuck in someone like, like a Chiesa in there as well, who, who would have been a, a sort of a nominal fee. So just recruitment all around, we've got six there, really, that are just really, really strong centre-halves. Yeah, completely. So much depth. Um, and, they, you know, I think there's plenty of competition for the for the label of best free signing in the world um, that Jordan Clark currently holds because there's there's plenty of others pushing and, and the fact that we go to Swansea on a Tuesday night, beat them 1-0 with a back three that are all free transfers, you know, there's not much more to say other than, wow, you know, what 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 recruitment that is. Yeah, and if, if, we, if we move on to the next poll, and this poll was, is Pelly, Campbell and Lansbury our best midfield three? 75% said absolutely solid. 25% said that we need Clark or Berry in there. So Dylan, do you think do you think that, that trio is our best midfield or do you think we need a bit more creativity in there with, with a like sort of a, of a Clark or Berry? Um, I don't like painting stuff in terms of just this is our best midfield and this isn't our best midfield. I think it's all about game by game. So I think yesterday against Swansea, we're obviously going to have a lot out of possession um so you know and we would a lot of, it was going to be very important in terms of that first ball that we play into forward areas which Lansbury can give us um so I think for that it, it, it depends on who we're playing in other games you know what we want Barry arriving late in the box because he's so good at that in another game we might want Clark as a receiver between the lines you can then go out and support the wing backs in in the channels which he does so well um so uh, that's a difficult I find that difficult to answer almost because I think it just depends on who we're playing. You know, for example, we're playing Cambridge on, on, on Saturday. So we might want Berry in there in terms of late arrival in the box, finishing quality. But then against Swansea away, we're going to play with three a bit deeper. We're not going to play with that really recognised number 10. So I think it, it all depends. And it, they all, what we have is variation in that area. 
Pelly and Cam will give us the power. Lansbury, deep in possession, quality from deep, switches a play. Berry in the box, Clark between the lines. You know, they're very different players, all these guys. Um, so, and it just depends game by game on who we're playing and what we need for that game. Okay, then. So let's rephrase that question. So when we're, at, when we're in the player final one or May, May the 29th, what, <laughs> what midfield three do you go with? Oh, in the playoff final, I assume we're playing final, a good at, team. At Wembley, playing, playing a good team. What, what three midfield players do you choose? I can definitely see what you've been thinking about on the coach home. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I would go with Lansbury, Pelly, and, and Campbell for a playoff final against a Fulham or, you know, a, a team that is of that calibre. Yeah, you'd want that little bit more solidity. Um, you'd definitely want Pelly and Campbell in there for the athleticism that they give us and then Lansbury that that first ball um is so important and, and just quality and possessions just retain it a little bit and, and ease the pressure off so yeah I'd go with the one that we did um that we did against Swansea brilliant so that's a yes then and and Stephen <laughs> another poll was uh Shay clean sheet who who will win that GK battle 86% said Shay 14% said Stephen Obviously, it's a bit harsh on Steer, given that we've not seen him yet in the Luton shirt. But do you think Shea will, will keep hold of, of that number one? I think the way that Dylan described like the midfield situation, it will differ from game to game. I think it will it will differ from game to game with the goalkeeper situation because Shea's been brilliant so far. But I think in the sort of games where we're probably going to be expecting to be on the back foot and probably be facing a lot of shots and um, the you know the ball's going to be coming into our box a lot. I think because of the experience of Jed Steer, you, you're going to want him in there probably. And as I said, with his play, playoff experience, if we're you know we're dreaming high, we're thinking of the playoffs now. Whether it's going to become a reality or not, I think he will be a brilliant player to have available for that. And I think you know, it's, I reckon we're we're going to see a good. A good split of games shared like between them rather than it's going to be one or the other but um i'm definitely not against shay being our de- definite number one because he's he's in well yeah i'd say he's in form right now he's, he's playing brilliant and it's i think we've i think we've all been a bit worried about his distribution recently um and swansea last night I don't remember him putting a, a long ball up the top or a pass wrong. He didn't slip over, which he's done like a fair few times at home, I think, away as well. And but he's you know he's, he's managed to pretty much do what he needs to do with the ball anyway. And all of last night, I think the the run of games has helped that as well. His confidence with you know on the ball, so. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely not going to having a good run and Steer being the backup. But if Steer comes in, has better distribution maybe and plays brilliantly, then then no reason why he can't be the number one. Yeah, I definitely think Steer comes in in for Saturday, and I guess it will just be taken from there really. Um, and the last poll was obviously written in in a little bit of of uh, in the moment, um, but it was. Can we seriously get in those playoffs? And sixty-one percent said we're on our way, and thirty-nine percent said not quite. So, boys, what is it? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. 
why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? I mean, we're we're sat three points off off the playoffs. Uh, probably one of the informed teams in the league with a game in hand on West Brom, uh, who have just sacked Ishbel today. So yeah, absolutely. Why not? Um, let's quickly touch on Cambridge then. Uh, our, our league rivals of yesteryear. Obviously, we had a, a few good battles with with those guys sort of five six years ago. Um, what sort of threats do you think they'll pose us on, on on Saturday? Uh, well, their keeper's quite good. Um, if anyone saw the Newcastle game, um, Dimitar <laughs> Mitov. Uh, so we might have to get through him. If we, we're going to have to get through him, if we're going to get to the next round. Um, look, I don't know loads about Cambridge. I'll be honest, uh, but obviously they're going to be they're going to be well up for it because they've just come through an amazing amazing cup tie against Newcastle and an Ironside scored the winner. Um, so look, and I guess for them it will be a little bit of a feeling kind of like when we played Millwall in the fifth round of the cup after we beat Norwich, it's a bit like, oh, we've just climbed the mountain and now we're playing Millwall. You know, for them, it'll be like, you know, they'll, they would have wanted another Premier League team or, um, you know, away at Stamford Bridge or Anfield or something like that. Um, but look, they're a good side. I think they have a bit of a, they have a bit of a knack of winning. You know, you look at their results and they just, they're, they take leads a bit like us and they're able to just hold on to them. Um, and obviously, I, th- I think Lloyd Jones is injured for the game, uh, but he's done really well for them um, since he signed. Um, and at Northampton, he was very good as well. Really good. I, I kind of always liked him as a good ball playing centre half. Um, so I don't know masses about them, but I do know that we're going to have to get through Dimitar Mitov if we're going to get to the next round. And uh, Newcastle couldn't do that, so hopefully we can. Yeah, I'm a bit like you. I don't know too much about them, but I know that they've been in decent form since since that big win up at. Uh, Newcastle. I think they 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 were unbeaten in six until last night. Uh, a two 0 loss at Bolton. Uh, I, I think for me it'd be interesting because usually I believe they set up in a four two three one. So it'd be interesting to to see whether they go for it and 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 stay with that four two three one or whether they maybe maybe play a bit more on on the back foot. Um, I, I wanted to just ask you boys uh, your your favourite memories of of our games against Cambridge, given that obviously. It's it's a team that, that we've played a lot in the past in recent years. So what, what would you say is your number one game, Luton v Cambridge? I think for me, my first away game was Cambridge away in the first year of the conference. Um, and that was absolutely mental. I was, I was on the terrace with my aunt and uh, second cousin and, and then a few other people in our group. And um, I mean, obviously, the the first half was horrible, and we were we were stood right near the uh, the fence for the away fans and uh, it was the home fans, and it it was just mental the whole game. And we, I think, the both the goals that we scored, like the to make it two one two two, all of all of the, everyone around us fell over. It was just a, a, a sea of bodies, and it just. It was just a perfect away day, especially like to experience it for the first time. And I was like, you, you know, some people might be like, well, that's a bit, you know, scary or whatever. Like, experience that because I, I remember and having to shield my head because there was coins being thrown at us and thrown back to them. And but I was hooked after that. I mean, I was already hooked on going to Luton, but like after that, I was like, I want to be going to away games all the time. And I think that was 
you know, my favourite memory and obviously just the win as well was, was mental. And then um, I think my, my little sister's first league away game was Cambridge when we drew 1-1 with the Cullen last minute winner and it's followed the same pattern. Sea of bodies, she fell over and and she loved it. So for me, like both of those are just, just favourites. Dylan, you? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I was unfortunately not at the, the Mark Cullen day um, where we basically, I mean, pretty much just sealed, or well, not sealed, but it was done and dusted the, the conference title. I wasn't there, but obviously that's a big one. Um, the 7-0 uh, home was different, obviously, but for, for some reason, I don't know why this, this sticks in my mind, and it wasn't probably the best memory, but it's probably one of the ones that just sticks in my mind is when Richard Money was was Cambridge manager <laughs> and we played them in League Two and I think it was our first season in League Two and it was when McGeehan was on loan at Cambridge and and Richard Money I remember I think I can't remember what the score was but but um but Richard Money waited by the tunnel um as Richard Money does at the end of the game waiting for all the players to go off shaking everyone's hand and, and obviously all the Luton fans were all thinking what was he doing and obviously knowing that Cameron McGeehan had a bit of a cult hero status amongst us uh, put his arm around him as as he walked off, and and you know told to you know let everyone know who play, who we played for now. Um, I don't know why I got a load of stick for it. I don't know why that sticks in my head, but I just remember that when McGeehan was and Nathan Doyle was was you know two footing McGeehan. It was it was brilliant. Um, but yeah, the, the seven nil was obviously just indicative of how good we were that season. Um, and, and that was the that was the Ollie Lee goal as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah. which was which was pretty special scoring from St Albans. So there's a lot of history between the clubs and and I guess it would be nice to to kind of revisit that I guess on Saturday. Yeah, there were some names you mentioned there didn't I mean Richard Money, Dickie Dosh. I mean, it almost feels as if like that's like a different universe now to to where, to where we are like was that even actually a thing? It's um it's crazy how far we've come. Uh, for for me, yeah, definitely that that Cullen game it was yeah limbs it it was the, the the game that we we really thought yeah this is it now we're we're finally getting out of the conference in, into league two so yeah we, we've hit them for seven in the past but for me it's got to be that the nicely named mark cullen day there didn't so no definitely um didn't steven thanks as always we'll leave it there i know steven got you in the pub so i'll let you get back to it um and thank you to, uh, to everyone for listening don't forget to follow us at oak road hatter on twitter and oak road hatter pod on instagram for those that missed it, we put our we put out our February two giveaway. So for the chance to win tickets to our home clash against Derby County on February twenty sixth, go check out those two socials. Also check out oakroadhatter.com for regular blog posts with anything and everything related to hatters. Thanks again and bye for now. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.